Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Harvey Friesen. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Welcome everyone to Foothills Christian Church. I am Douglas Peak, and if you're here for the first time, we are very glad you got to see a little bit of the reason why you want to be on campus during the message bump. See, there's a special treat just for you who can see. Now, we're a church unlike any other church, so if you're watching online for the first time, or you're joining us at church at home, or maybe here on campus, we are focused specifically on strengthening your faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we're not trying to be the coolest church, the hippest church, the oldest church, the youngest church, the, the most anything church other than strengthening your faith in Jesus Christ. Our goal is discipleship. Now, why is our goal discipleship? Because the outcome of discipleship is strength. The outcome of discipleship is strength. It's courage to navigate this life. It's about confidence in who you are, what God is doing in you and through you and for you. So that's who we are and that's how we kind of roll. So I'd like you to know that up front. Now, I You may not be aware of this, but my wife and I have been kind of having some health issues that we've been having to deal with. And whenever you're focused on your health issues, right, you kind of fall behind on your chores. So I had to hire a guy to come over to the house and do some chores, you know, help me out. So I left him a list, you know, I don't know, I put like, you know, eight to 10 things on this list. And uh, I come down to the office and then at lunchtime I go home to check to see what's going on. And I walk in there and I say, how's things going? And he says, pretty good. I'm all done. And he hands me the list and I looked at it and he had number one crossed off, number three crossed off, number five crossed off, number seven crossed off, number nine crossed off. And I just go, hmm, I guess he only does odd jobs. (laughs) Not bad, huh? Yeah, everybody watching at home and say, I think we need to find another channel here. This is, what is going on? We're in the final installment on our study of John's first letter to the church. And he wrote this letter because the world was filled with all kinds of new ideas and thoughts and and just a whole bunch of nonsense. And so he wrote this letter. And today, because it's Father's Day, we're going to apply what he wrote in the final chapter to fathers and fathers alone today. So We're going to kind of give you just a brief overview. Uh, Since he wrote it to refute Gnosticism, which was influencing with new ideas, all these different things, and confusing people, he decided, I need to write this and just reiterate what basic Orthodox Christianity, meaning knowing Jesus Christ as God, King, Lord, and Savior, does for your life. And if you adopt these new kind of odd things, all it does is create confusion in your life. And so that's why he wrote this letter to the church. And so we have been talking throughout this series about all these different ideologies in our world today that are bringing confusion. If you'd like to dig into those, you can go back and listen to the messages, or you can check out The Salty Pastor. It's a podcast that Jesse and I do each week that goes much deeper. One of the things we do is we ask the whole church, if you're a part of Foothills, uh, whether you're brand new or you're just checking things out or you've been here forever, is whenever we study a book, is just kind of read it as often as you can. And the more you read that book during the week, the more it kind of just sinks in. And so these ideologies are not good. Some of these new things are not well thought out. 
And some of these new things, if we adopt them, create a tremendous amount of confusion. And today, I'd like to point out in chapter 5 that the biggest nonsense going around in our society today is that fathers don't matter. Now, on Mother's Day, we spend up all the time talking about how awesome moms are because everybody what? Loves their mom. And so it's sad to me that I have to defend the importance and the role of fatherhood today. But we need to because our society has turned against it. There's an author in the behavioral sciences, uh, Mr. Rayburn, and he wrote a book. He wanted to do a big research study longitudinal studies, it just says, uh, what does all the research say? Are fathers really necessary or not? I mean, what does this mean or not? And so he went to present and ask questions to start his research at a big behavioral scientist uh, convention. And behavioral sciences are dominated by women. And so he got up and he asked this question, and the women all there got mad because they said, of course fathers are irrelevant. They're not necessary at all. So this is a representation of the behavioral sciences today. Today, in America, one in four children are growing up without a father, a stepfather, or foster father in the home. That's 25%. You may not realize this, but 60% of males who rape women grew up in a fatherless home. 63% of youth, uh, male, who, uh, both women and males, or females and males that commit suicide, come from fatherless homes. 72% of all adolescents that means teens that are serving sentences for murder come from fatherless homes. I could talk about education. I could talk about poverty. I could talk about anxiety and depression and so forth, and we could just hit you with gazillion stats. Attempt that what's happening in our society today is that they're trying to make a case that all families, and you kind of understand on the surface why people wanted to do this. They say on the surface, well, all families are equal because we don't want anybody to feel bad about their circumstance. The problem is, is that there is zero science that supports that. As a matter of fact, the science points all in the opposite direction. And that is kids who grow up in two-parent families and where there's a father figure in their life makes a tremendous amount of difference. Now, it's important to say that, and I know that some people listening are thinking, well, so are, are you not open to single-parent families? I said, well, of course not. It's actually the, quite the opposite. It's not a rejection of single parents, but it is an orientation in our church to help them and to do all that we can to support them because it is so difficult going it alone. And so being a community, offering community, strong male presence in the community is critical, particularly for those who are having, for whatever circumstances life is thrown at them, raising their children by themselves. So what we're going to do is we're going to dig in and we're going to see what are the principles here, guys, that make a difference in your life so that when you're challenged and then you hear all of this nonsense from society about your role, you can stand strong and be the person that God has called you to be in the situation in which you find yourself. So the first thing I want you to know is this, and that is our faith is the victory that we need as men. Okay, so let's talk about it and see what he says, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 5. Now, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And then when he says Christ, he's not talking about Jesus' last name. 
that is actually a descriptive statement. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, meaning the Savior. So he says, if you believe this, you're born of God. And everyone who loves the Father, meaning God, will love Jesus as well, the child. This is how we know that we love the children of God. These are the people that follow Jesus and are born of God. He says, by loving God and carrying out his commands. So you notice how he connects your lifestyle, the choices you make, to the pursuit of loving God in your life. In fact, verse 3, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So here it is. How do you overcome the world and all the nonsense running around out there? It is your faith that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's the principle in the first five verses. It is our faith that brings about the victory that we need in this world filled with nonsense. It's important because at some point, every person gets tired of living a life filled with mediocrity and failure. I mean, you just kind of get tired of it. So you have some basic options, right? Option one is, well, I'm just going to medicate and not worry about it, you know? As long as I'm either drunk or high or distracted, I don't have to worry about my problems. The second option is to just give up and say, well, I was never meant to do anything significant or great. I'm just trying to survive. Then, guys, there's a third option. And that third option is, like anything else in life, it can be a great adventure filled with fun, or it can be misery. But you have to go out there and you have to learn how to surf it, tackle it, conquer it. And the victory to conquer life comes from our faith in Jesus Christ. That's where the power to conquer what life wants to do to you comes from. It is a victory when we have faith in Jesus that overcomes the call to mediocrity. It is a victory that overcomes disappointment and all of the things that life will throw at you. It is a call to overcome the status quo, the disillusionment of failed dreams, the temptation to give up, surrender, or throw in the towel so you can just survive this crazy thing called life. It is faith that is in Jesus. It is the object of our faith because it's not just having faith, it's what our faith is in. It's in Jesus, our warrior king, who was raised from the dead and conquered death. What you put your faith in is what makes your faith strong or weak. If you ever go bungee jumping and the guy who's hooking you up is using yarn and has knitting sticks, don't do it. That's just a safe bet, right? But if that guy's got some rigging gear that you look at that could pick up 14 elephants, go, I'm in. 
You see, what your faith is in is critically important. And that's what John says throughout his whole book. He said, if you believe nonsense, you start believing things that make you weak, that lose your courage and your confidence and your sense of security and who you are as a man. So no matter how much the world tries to convince you that you are unimportant, not needed, should sit on the sidelines, have no impact, no influence, it is your faith in Jesus that overcomes those feelings, those insecurities, all of the discouraging times in your life. And that's really important. You know why? Because insecurity undermines you. It undermines human potential. It undermines relationships. You know, when you're trying to, to, to be in love or stay in love or build love, and if you have two insecure people, it's a mess. It's when you, you're confident, you know who you are, you know who you're trying to love, you have convictions, you have values. That's what makes love so powerfully awesome and fun. It's a ton of fun. Insecurity in relationships is not good. Insecurity at work is not good. You know, you don't want to go into pre-op there for back surgery and the neurosurgeon walks in and goes you know, I, I don't know if I've ever done this before, and I'm kind of nervous about this right now. You know, I just, I didn't sleep last night. I was up all night worrying about this. And so, do you think I could have some of those, uh, some of those drugs too, so while I'm operating, I'm more calm? Is that the kind of doctor you want? Or do you want the guy that walks in the room, or the gal that walks in the room and goes, grabs the thing, flips it open, and goes, yeah, I've done 4,000 of these, no problem. Yeah, it looks good. Okay, we're ready to go. What do you feel like? You're like, I have a little bit more confidence in that, don't I? See, security has confidence about it. Insecurity undermines human potential. And when you're insecure, when you're questioning who you are, you have no confidence, you have no courage, you are not even close to being the best you or the you that you are called to be. One reason why men are the way they are today if you're a lady and you're bemoaning the fact, where have all the good men gone? Well, your society over the last 50 years has criticized men, undermined men, doing everything they can to erode the security that men need to be their best selves. So guys, if you want to become the man you're called to be, if you want to be the father that you hope to be, then you need to look at your faith for it is the victory that overcomes the world. John is not joking when he says that. It's not an empty platitude. He's saying that the way you overcome the stuff the world constantly throws at you is your faith. That is the victory that overcomes the world. And that will challenge you like never before as a man. Do you think that your life is going to change do you think it's going to get better? Do you think you're going to do the work that you need to do as a man because you wake up one day and go, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I had a glass of Ovaltine and life is finally changing. It don't work that way. That is silly. It works when you decide to get up and say, I'm going to do the work to be the man I know I can be. I'm going to adopt values. I'm going, to, I'm going to have convictions about what kind of guy I want to be. And if the world don't, doesn't like it, so be it. I don't give a rip because I know who I'm called to be as a man. Guess what? 
over and over and over again, you have to realize that it is your faith and your faith alone that brings the victory. You have to avoid the passivity that is a temptation of every man to sit back and do nothing. Do you want a relationship in your life? Then stop being passive. Be assertive as a man. Is your marriage not where it should be? Is your wife unhappy? Then stop sitting there going, well, I don't know what she wants. And be assertive. Say, well, this is what I'm going to do to change the outcome. If your kids aren't turning out the way you want, don't throw your hands in the air and go, well, this is the world we live in. They don't make kids like they used to. Yes, they do! They make them the exact same way that they have for the last 7,000 years. It's never changed. What's changed is the adults. Don't be that guy. Don't be passive. Show up. Do the work. Be a man. Now, am I saying that to try to get guys to be... The only reason I'm saying that is because that is where you discover your faith and that is the victory that overcomes the world. And this is about you, not me. So don't be a passive actor in your life story. Don't be that guy on Star Trek wearing the uniform that beams down that you've never seen on the show before. Because you know what's happening to that guy. He's dead. <laughs> don't be the sacrificial you know, secondary actor in Star Trek for your life story. Be Captain Kirk or Spock or Bones or somebody. Don't be that guy. You get the point. Ladies, you might think, man, Pastor Doug, he doesn't always preach this way because I'm preaching to men. It's called man language. <laughs> Number two, our faith in Jesus is what gives us life. It brings life. It's what makes life, life. Listen to what he says, beginning with verse 6 of chapter 5. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus the Messiah. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit of God, who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. There is the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three are in agreement. What are they agreeing on? That Jesus is the Messiah. He says, we accept human testimony. So sometimes human beings say things that are true and good, but it is God's testimony which is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given to us about his son, that Jesus is the Messiah. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made God out to be a liar, because they have not believed in the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us, and this is a very important word, he says he has given us eternal life. He's given us eternal life, and this life is in his son, Jesus. So what he's saying, Jesus. 
And our faith in him is what brings life to our lives. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Underline that verse. Highlight that verse. Never forget that verse. Whoever has the Son is alive. Whoever does not have the Son of God is what? Not alive. They are spiritually dead. I know in some places it's like, well, we should have a lot more nuance. and We should talk about all the gray areas and we should talk about all the gaps, all this stuff. John's not making any gray. He's not making any gaps. He's saying, if you have Jesus, you've been made alive. Your soul has been brought from death to life. If you don't have Jesus, you may think you're alive. You may like your life. You may be happy with some of your idiosyncrasies and your flaws and your shortcomings and your addictions. You're okay with them because you manage them well. But John is saying, if you don't have Jesus, you're still what? Dead. You're still dead. You ain't got it figured out yet. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have, the Son does not have life. Now, he talks a lot about the blood. What does he mean? The testimony of God is the blood. Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross. So blood is the testimony. He talks about the water. What is the water? He's referencing, and the early church father, Arrhenius, wrote about this. He's referencing about the baptism of Jesus Christ because Jesus started his earthly ministry by doing what? Getting baptized by John the baptizer, who is baptizing for a baptism of repentance. So Jesus is baptized, and then what happens is the Spirit does what? Gives testimony to Jesus, because the dove does what? Descends, lights on his shoulder, and then they say, this is my son, a voice from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. So what John is saying is that that is the testimony of God. The dove that descended, his baptism and his shedding of his blood on the cross and then his resurrection from the dead. God's testimony is true. It is not false. Now, the Gnostics were trying to argue all these other things, and he was saying there are no other things. The promise is true. Don't try another route. There is no other route because it just won't work. The more you pursue Jesus, the more alive your life will become. The more you perceive, uh, pursue Jesus, the more alive the dead things in your life can be redeemed. So let's say you're single, guys, and you're trying to figure out how in the world do you like find a girl who wants to date you, let alone fall in love with her, right? And uh, what, what are those apps on, on your phone that they use today? I, I, I've read about them. I'm, I, uh, Bumble, Timber, Timber, no, what is it? Uh, Tinder. That's it. I knew it was something that burned. Um, I guess because you get burned a lot on Tinder? I don't know. There's a bunch of these things in there. She try to, um, uh, whether or not those things are working or not, you know, the question is, look, <clears throat> a lot of guys are so good at categorizing, they don't realize that it's my pursuit of Jesus that ultimately ends up affecting this part of my life, whether I know it or not. You see? So let's say you're married. And your marriage isn't where you would like it to be. You may not realize this, but your pursuit of Jesus is what brings things in your marriage to life or back to life. You see? And, and this is the thing that I hear all the time with guys and gals who are married. And they'll, say, they'll, they'll come and they'll ask questions. Things, well, things aren't going too well with my wife, Pastor. And I go, well, what, what's she saying? She's saying she wants me to lead. 
And then I go, okay, so when she says that, what do you do? Well, I say, tell me what to do and I'll do it. I said, that's not leadership, bro. You know, pursue your relationship with God and then that will bring a vision of where your life is going. And that's what women are attracted to. I said, you know, one thing that women like in men more, almost more than anything else is they like confidence. They like confidence that he knows who he is, what he's about and where he's going. He's got goals. He's got ambitions. He's got things he wants to do in life. You know, she's like, that, that could be fun. It gives her something that she can respond to and think about. Go out with coffee with her girlfriends and pick every little thing apart and see if it makes any sense. That's fun. You see, guys, the more you pursue Jesus, the more alive your life will become. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. If you want to understand the point of your life, if you want to know what causes you to accept responsibility for who you are and who you are becoming, that gets you out of bad thinking, toxic friendships, unhealthy relationship patterns, it develops within you guys a culture of strength, challenge, growth, quality, and excellence, then it's your faith that will do it. And it's your faith that will forever change your life. Now let's look at number three as he concludes this chapter, guys. Verse 13. I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So the people who know that they have God, right? So that you may know that you have what? Eternal life. And eternal life is this life, not just something far off, but this life right now. Things that last for eternity, like love, faith, and hope. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Now, if you see a brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, though, and there is sin that does not lead to death. If you'd like to really dig into the in-depth meaning of that, listen to the salty pastor this past week because we really dig into that. Now, we know anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So if you ever want to ask why bad things happen in this world, just read 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we're children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That's why bad things still happen. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. So the reason Jesus came is when all those bad things happen, we can understand the reality of pain and suffering and why it still exists. Why does evil still exist? We answer that question because we have understanding. He goes on to say, so that we may know him who is true. So sometimes in our suffering and challenges, we learn the truth. He goes on to say, and we are in him who is true, 
by being in his son, Jesus Christ. So how do you know God, walk with God, understand God? By being in Jesus. That's why I started off. Our main goal is what? To strengthen your faith in Jesus as a church. He is the true God. He is the eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, he's talking about a number of things here, but primarily he's talking about when we approach God, he hears us, so he's talking about prayer and your prayer life. And if faith is the victory that you need to overcome the world, then every area of your life needs to be lived by faith. Our faith is for every area of life. Men are super great at categorizing, right? Guys, are, we are good at it. We can say, look, I'm going to put this in this box, and then we can put the lid on the box. We won't think about it, worry about it, lose sleep over it for three days until we pull the box off the shelf and open it up and go, oh, I have overdue taxes. I'll worry about them now. You know, guys are so good at that. But the downside of that gift is we can ignore, we can neglect and put out of our mind things forever. You know, sometimes guys will come talk to me, he goes, he goes, well, I'd like things to be uh, more, you know, amorous and intimate with my wife. And I'm like, well, really? Well, what's she saying? Well, she's saying something about taking out the trash more regularly and going on walks with her, and I just don't get that. Those are two separate things. No, they're not. So categorizing can have a downside to it, but it has an upside to it as well. And the key is Prayer shows you in your aligning yourself with God how your faith affects every other area of your life. This brings an entire new dimension to prayer. Then he talks about praying for those who have fallen into sin. What you're doing is now that's called intercessory prayer. That's like being a sheepdog, you know, um, in uh uh, the story above Chris Kyle, American sniper, if you haven't seen it, uh, the most prolific sniper the United States has ever known, uh, grew, grew up in a family, and his dad said, look, there's three kinds of people out there. There are wolves, there are sheep, and then there are sheepdogs. The, these, are, these are people who choose to protect the sheep from the wolves. And so intercessory prayer is sheepdog prayer. That's what it is is you're, you're protecting those and praying for those who are in need. No, notice how he says, anyone who loves God does not continue in sin. Now, if you recall what he said in the first chapter, if we say we are without sin, we make out him a liar and the truth is not in us. What in the world does that mean? Well, he's saying that, look, you're never going to be perfect but if you continually embrace habitually toxic behaviors for your spirit, i.e. sin, then you're not pursuing any type of loving relationship with God or the people around you. You'll never be perfect, but the question is, what target are you trying to shoot at? And what prayer does is constantly focus the target you're shooting at. 
So prayer connects all the dots of your life. Prayer gives you a sense of purpose because you're a sheepdog prayer for other people. And then finally, what it does is it helps you be free and overcome the toxicity of things that are continuing in this world. So guys, there you have it. If you're a father, be the father that you've been called to be. If you're a man and you're yet to be a father, then seek to become the kind of father that God wants you to be. Women, look for men who don't have great hair and a six-pack ab, but have the character of a sheepdog and a warrior for Jesus. Because in the end, that will be the most attractive thing that you will ever enjoy throughout your entire life. And the world is filled with nonsense. The world is filled with nonsense. And the question that this book asks you and me is, will we believe it? The world is filled with nonsense. Will we believe it? Here, he says in this book, if you lack clarity in your life about who you are as a person, what God is trying to do in your life, then you're believing some nonsense in the world. If you're living confused right now, wondering what direction do I do, well, you might be believing some nonsense, according to John. If you're living your life doing whatever you want, whenever you want to do it, then you're probably believing some nonsense in this world because you think your whole life is all about you. But if you learn, if you learn how to discern, if you learn the true reality of who God is, what Jesus Christ has done in this world and wants to do in you, your true nature and how you have to move from the true nature that has been tainted with the cancer of sin and have it eradicated so that your soul moves from death to life. If you learn to discern the real world around you, you'll cut through all the nonsense, you'll cut through all the garbage, all the fog, and you'll live a life filled with meaning, filled with purpose, filled with clarity, and filled with joy. Now, as we finish any and all of our series, we always finish with a blessing. So if you're at home, I'd like you to do something. I know this sounds kind of weird, But if you're on campus or at home, everybody stand up to receive your blessing. Now, some people tell me, you know what I like to do, pastors? I like to stand there with my hands open because it just makes it more meaningful and I close my eyes. I said, well, praise God if you want to do that, but let's... I'm going to bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we close this series. The Lord your God, Jesus Christ, is calling you to a new place. A promised land, it's a new beginning and a fresh start, but it's found in an ancient experience before the very foundations of the world were set in place. It is not a place made with sticks or stones, mortar or nails. It is a place of the soul where the you that is really you is meant to be. Jesus says, I am calling you to me because in me is the path to life. I am life. I am light. I am love. None of these things can be found apart from me, says our Lord Jesus. Therefore, he says, I give myself freely to you so that you might live in this new place for your soul. 
Do not listen to the world when it lies to you, when it says that you are nothing, you have no value, you are insignificant. For as I am the father of lights, you are a father, men, to your children. I caution you not to love the world because whatever you love, you're going to listen to. It will fill you with nonsense, undermine your strength. It will steal from you. It will steal your confidence and courage of who you are as a man. Believe my truth saith the Lord, for it is eternal and everlasting. I have bestowed upon you the promise of eternal life. This is not a far off promise, but it is for you right here and right now. It is a promise of significance, a promise of meaning, a promise of fulfillment and peace in your soul. The Lord says, I am that I am. I am the warrior king. I have fought. I have sacrificed. I have bled so that you might overcome the nonsense in this world. The battle lines are drawn. The trumpet has sounded a clear call to battle. Will you answer this call? Will you rise up from the miry clay, the nonsense of this world, the slippery slope of compromise and low expectations and irresponsibility? And will you embrace victory for your time is now and your victory awaits. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon of the week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.